chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control Alt Desire, now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. You're listening to the Inside Carolina podcast sponsored by JohnnyTShirt.com. The game plan with Greg Barnes and Jason Staples. NC State week, big week for North Carolina, of course, five and six going to Raleigh on Saturday. Needing a win for bowl eligibility, Greg. I, I think, you know, we talk about big games. And while five and seven, I think, will still be a, a successful season for Mac Brown, at least for the fan base and maybe outside the program, six and six in bowl eligibility will certainly be a big deal. Yeah, for sure, Tommy. I, I really believe that for Mac Brown to be able to claim this season as a success, uh, he needs to win this game. And I agree that North Carolina has made tremendous strides this year, uh, hampered a little bit by depth issues. Part of that is injuries. Um, but with the way the team has competed, I think he's built a solid foundation. That's really going to pay off in the years to come. Uh, but yeah, with, with regard to public perception and kind of how the fan base is, is viewing this and particularly how recruits view this season. Uh, you need to win this game. And this is an important game for a couple reasons. One, you want to get to a bowl game. Uh, if, if you win this game, you obviously get to six wins, uh, which is one more than this program had won the previous two seasons. So that shows a definite improvement. Although we knew that was uh, – a likelihood given all the injuries Larry Fedora dealt with his final two years and his quarterback situation. But also this is a rivalry game and NC state has done a very good job in this series of late. They've won four or five, a nine of 12 and I think three in a row. So uh, if you want to come in and talk about winning the state championship, which we know Wake Forest did this year, uh, and, and you're going to stress the importance of winning all those in state recruiting battles, you have to be able to take care of your job against these types of teams. And NC State, while Mac says Duke and State are both rivals, I think on the football side of things, everybody, at least locally, understands it is UNC, NC State. And so you can win this game. Not only do you get to a bowl game, you also are able to kind of stem that, that tie that NC State has had momentum-wise. And you can go into the offseason – Feeling good about yourself, knowing that you, you broke NC State's streak and really kind of speaking to all the recruits across the state that, hey, uh, Mac is back in town. Uh, we're beating Duke and State like we should be. Uh, let's get this thing rolling. Jason, you've had the opportunity to have interactions with the coaching staff as well and people around the program. Uh, how important is this NC State game for them um, and the perception that those guys see success and see positivity going forward into the offseason. It's it's hard to overstate how important this game is within the uh, within the football program with with how these guys are taking it. I mean, you, you have to first consider 
the importance of those extra bowl practices. I mean, that's anytime you talk to coaches about making a bowl, it's, it's about that as much as it is anything else. And then, you know, obviously the perception of the program of look, we're, we, we turn things around in year one to where we're on track to, to be a winning program. And especially if you go to a bowl and then you win that bowl game, now you go not only six and six, but you have a winning record on the year. And that, just perception wise makes a difference. So it's those two things. I, I mean, I, I think the bowl thinking about looking forward to next year, it's the bowl practices that matter the most. Uh, but you know, uh, just the perception itself, even if the bowl practices weren't involved would be a big deal. And, uh, and they, you know, they're, they're putting, they're, they're going to be putting everything they've gotten into, into, uh, as we talked about last podcast uh, where we were together, they're going to be putting everything into this in terms of tendency breakers, in terms of, you know, having a trick up their sleeve here and there. Uh, this is going to be this. It's going to be like they came off a buy and had all that extra preparation because they kind of are. And uh, and they'll be uh, they'll they'll be fully invested uh, into this one in ways that, you know, you try through the year to say to tell your guys we're going to take every game the same. But then you get to this game and you're not taking it the same. I mean, that's that's just reality. And I think the other component, too, to kind of build on what, what Jason said, is Dave Doran is not in any risk of losing his job right now. Uh, they've had back-to-back nine-win seasons prior to this year. Uh, but if you can beat North Carolina, uh, that that carries a lot of weight in the NC State universe over there in West Raleigh. That's a very important game. I mean, if we go back to 2016, uh, all – all indications were going into that that final game against UNC. Uh, he was probably on his way out, and yet what happens? State jumps out to twenty-one to zip lead against Mr. Trubisky's squad, uh, and Carolina was unable to kind of rally to win that game. And Dorn keeps his job. Um, he does not have a very impressive record against Power Five opponents, nor does he have an impressive record against ACC opponents. Um, but he. He has recruited well last couple of years. Injuries have played a role. Uh, but if he's able to somehow win this game, even though it would only move State to 5-7, and seven, uh, then they're not going to a bowl game regardless. But that's something he can kind of hang his hat on. Hey, Mac's back, and we kept them from going to a bowl game. Uh, we won four straight over UNC, kind of what Tom O'Brien leaned on during the Butch years. And so you, there, there's a lot to play for. Uh, for the Wolfpack. So it's not just a matter of UNC's playing for a bowl game. Uh, State's playing for a lot as well. Yeah, we talk about that. I mean, Tom O'Brien won, what, five straight against Carolina and then made an ill-fated decision to punt the ball away to Geo and uh, was looking for a job the next time you saw Tom O'Brien. Jason, uh, you know, NC State talks a lot about the injuries every time um, they're on – television it's the injuries the injuries the injuries but Carolina's had a ton um, especially in the secondary just sort of you know compare and contrast what both of these teams have dealt with I I do think that um, injuries happen in football but it it seems like they've really bitten North Carolina the past couple years this year as well and also NC State I mean it's just a, a mass unit on the back end for both of these squads who do you think's put it together a little better um, over the course of the year, uh, Doran or, or Mike Brown, when you're talking about those back-end injuries? Yeah, it, it's amazing, actually, to look at the injury list from both teams. I mean, I, I don't know what 
whether there's something wrong with North Carolina air this year or something in, t- in terms of in the region or, you know, last couple of years for, for UNC. And then this year for, for both teams, uh, they, I think they, uh, they have like 15 guys that are, that are out and, and their injuries as well have, as you mentioned, clustered a lot in the secondary, which uh, that's, that's been true for, for UNC as well. But, you know, this is, they've got, you know, they've got their, uh, their senior left tackles out, their right tackle is is out. Uh, Their, their best receiver, CJ Riley, who is the, who's their fastest player and also is their only deep threat. He was their only deep threat coming into the year. He he's been out since uh, since the season opener. So you look at what they're what they're looking at. Uh, it should sound familiar to a lot of UNC fans, though. Given where UNC is, everybody listening to this podcast knows that it's not like NC State's going to be able to justifiably. Now everybody knows they will anyway, but it's not going to be a justifiable thing of saying, "Oh, you know, well." Look at all the injuries because North Carolina can point to the same point to the same kind of thing and go, well, yeah, uh, same thing here. So this is a competition. This is a game between two teams that don't have the players on the field that they would ideally like to have on the field. Uh, I think North Carolina has done a better job all year, though, of compensating for those injuries partly because i think they've they've got better pieces overall i mean we talked about this early in the year uh both on air and off air but you know I, i've i've been saying all year that nc state's sneaky bad you know that, that from game two game three on it was like man they're this is a sneaky bad team and then by the end of the year they're not sneaky bad anymore they're after losing to georgia tech they're just bad and this is a game that north carolina should win uh, if you look at a team that, that is really struggling in the secondary and has had a hard time covering teams, and then you've got a red hot Sam Howell and, and a group of wide receivers that they're still healthy for North Carolina at wide receiver, that's that's where this, this game can be won uh, and should be won, is being able to take advantage of some of those things downfield. And on the flip side, North Carolina has had the majority of its problems in, in the secondary as well in terms of being injured and state just does not ha- they're toothless as far as it comes to the passing game. Uh, Devin Leary actually has shown some signs of being pretty good as a, as a quarterback, as a young guy, but he just doesn't have a whole lot of weapons to throw to. He's got, you know, Azidu is, is a, is a nice big piece. He's a big wide receiver and I'm sure that they'll, uh, go to the well on those back shoulders and, and and trying to throw up some jump balls to that guy. But aside from him, they just don't have anybody out there and he's not going to run by you. I mean, you're going to give up, you know, maybe some 15, 20 yard chunk plays here and there to him. But other than that, they just don't have anybody that scares you out, out wide. So you can, you can start to really focus on stopping the running game and, uh, and not have the, the concerns downfield that you've got, uh, that you've had most of the year because of the injuries in the secondary. So this this game is one where j- even even given similar injury troubles on both sides, the matchup I think favors North Carolina pretty significantly. Yeah, talking about state being sneaky bad. If you look at the advanced metrics, both in S and P and uh, Brian Fimo's uh, FEI, 
State is second worst in the ACC, only ahead of Georgia Tech. And yet, <laughs> in their last game out, who won that game? Georgia Tech won. So I think the argument can be made that uh, State may be, may be that worst team. And uh, I think some recruiting gaps and that are pretty good. I think 14 and 15 recruiting class last two years have been pretty good. Uh, but I guess it, uh, I guess it's 15 and 16 where they, they struggled a little bit. But I think that's starting to show up right now because they don't have the uh, the depth and the and talent in the upper classes that you would like to have, and some of those guys are hurt. And then you add in a, having to rely on a, a freshman quarterback now um, is one of the reasons State has struggled the way that they have. But clearly this is not uh, one of Dave Doran's better teams and is quite possibly the worst team that he's had uh, since he took over that job. Let me take a short break, talk about GiantT-Shirt.com and Giant T-Shirt on Franklin Street, certainly great sponsors of this podcast. A great opportunity for you to stop by on any game day, whether it's basketball, baseball, football game days in Chapel Hill, or if you're there for Christmas shopping on Franklin Street, get what you need. Check out their store. Of course, it's loaded with gear. Anything you could possibly want, Carolina-related, football, baseball, basketball, soccer, uh, field hockey school these days in Chapel Hill. Johnny T-Shirt on Franklin Street and, of course, JohnnyT-Shirt.com online. Everything and more, they deliver it straight to your doorstep. And, of course, Inside Carolina subscribers get 10% off your everyday order. Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com, sponsors of this podcast. And I'm going to take a short break. Um, for another commercial break, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about the game plan, North Carolina, North Carolina State, Saturday in Raleigh. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, I'm going to start with Greg. Carolina offense versus NC State defense. We sort of talked about it a little bit um, all week, but let's talk about it today. I think Carolina's got to throw the ball deep on this one. I think Sam Howe has a huge game. Greg, your take. Yeah, for sure. He's done that all year long, so um, I don't think we're fooling anybody saying that. But if you look at the history of, of this rivalry, especially of late, um, it's been a physical game, and NC State likes to play that that physical style. But the team, and you know, maybe this is just somewhat fluky, maybe this is old traditional football, but the, the team that wins the, the rushing battle wins the game. And that speaks to that physical mindset. It also speaks to the, to the competitive nature of, of the game, that you want to be able to establish a, a good 
ground game. And I think uh, State, while they do struggle on the, on the back end, and they have been okay defensively, uh, certainly not great like they've had in the last couple of years. Uh, but they, they've got some good good pieces up front. And so in order to make that play action work where North Carolina is so so successful, uh, you you want to be able to to run the ball. And that's one of the reasons that Javante Williams did not play very much at all uh, against Mercer is they just wanted to rest him up because they know they're going to need him. But with the way that uh, both of the Williams guys have, have run this year along with, with Michael Carter and the fact that the offensive line finally is kind of gelling, I think, I think Phil Longo really wants to be able to to set a tone, um, and if he can get some, have some success on early downs running the ball, uh, that that takes a lot of pressure off Howe, and it, it prevents NC State from being able to tee off against him because you know that's going to happen. If State can, can knock him out of the game, uh, they would love to do that. You know, we know that was the approach they took with Marquise Williams a number of years ago. Uh, did it with Brent Renner, and so that that's kind of. Uh, an angle that that state likes to utilize and uh, it's worked for them at times. But if you're able to to run the ball uh, and and allow that play action to kind of set up, then you're talking about how having a you know second or two longer to be able to hit on some of those deep routes. And, and I agree with, with Jason. The, the matchup is there, and I, I think you you hit on a couple of those, and this game goes from close to being a blowout. Jason, watching. Uh... State played Georgia Tech last week. I mean, that that's my thing. As I said, oh, they're going to throw all over NC State. But like Greg said, their defensive line's decent. I think their linebackers are not as good um, as they've been in years past. Clearly not as good, even though they've got a couple of those North Carolina boys. I don't know if they're healthy enough to play Saturday and be effective. But, um, you know, Carolina preaches balance. But this is one, um, like I said to Greg, and like we've talked about all week and all year, Sam Howell, big game. You think that happens, or do you think Carolina tries to grind it out and pound them on on the in the running game and just wear State out before they go up top? So I, I think I think they start by throwing the football. I mean, you you look at what at where North Carolina State has had some problems all year. Uh, I'm just going to go down the list of of some rushing outputs against State. Uh, their run, their run defense has actually been the one thing that has been pretty good at different points, and uh, and, and and you know only the really really good run uh, rushing teams have uh, have had a lot of success on the on the ground against them. But uh, they gave up uh, 1.66 yards per rush against Florida State, for example. 1.11 yards per rush against Syracuse. Uh, 2.67 yards per rush against Wake Forest, which is a good bit better than North Carolina gave up. 1.97 yards per rush against Louisville. So, I mean, they, they, they've they done pretty well at times in terms of, of run defense. Uh, now, the better rushing attacks that they've faced, Boston College averaged 7.15 yards per, per rush on way to 429 rushing yards on them. Uh, Clemson, six yards per rush. And then last week, Georgia Tech, 6.19 yards per rush. Those are those are kind of your outliers uh, in terms of second half of the year. They've given up some a, a little bit more to those, those three teams. But th- they've done a pretty good job for the most part on the year on, on run defense. But if you go down the list of passing 
output, that's where it gets ugly. I mean, Florida State threw for 316 yards, three touchdowns, no 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 picks, and you know eight yards per per pass attempt made it look really easy against that defense. Syracuse, 300 yards passing, 7.7 per uh, per attempt, completed almost 75 percent of their passes. I mean, Syracuse is not very good. Uh, you know, throwing the football this year. Uh, Wake Forest threw it for 300 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. And you go down the list against their against uh, against all the teams they've played this year. The numbers look actually kind of like Sam Howell's numbers. And uh, Sam Howell, in case you didn't know out there, is pretty good. <laughs> so their defense has given up something pretty close to on average. It's making all the quarterbacks they play look kind of like Sam Howell. So, I mean, 20, 2,600 yards uh, passing, 21 touchdowns, three interceptions given up by that defense. So you look at that and you go, yep. Um, start by throwing the ball around, find the holes in the defense, throwing it. And then if you can, if you can run it, if you can get some balance and run the football, then this takes this game from where you should win to the teams that they've given up a bunch of rushing yards on, Boston College beat them 45-24. I mean, the, the teams that have run it, they've and and Georgia Tech it was you know it was close, but Tech as we know, uh, we you know we all got to see Tech up close. Tech is not a good football team. They've been getting better over the course of the year. They're a well-coached team, but the teams that that have been able to run it on them and throw it on them uh, that that you're starting to look at scoring 45, 50 points against this defense, and that, and that's in that's within the uh, the realm of possibility in this game. If North Carolina is able to get the run game going, and uh, in addition to throwing the ball around, and they're able to to uh, to cause some uh, or to to play with balance offensively, then this game could get really ugly in Raleigh. I just wanted to add uh, these stats because they're just kind of mind numbing, but. In ACC play, NC State is allowing opposing quarterbacks to complete 66% of their passes at an 8.1 yards per attempt clip with 18 touchdowns and zero interceptions through seven games. Uh, That's a QB rating of 162.9, which is uh, uh, way, way, way too high. Oh, Lord, you guys are setting this one up. I, I can hear it now <laughs> after this one's over with. All right, let, let's well, flip and to just, the... just think about this. Just think about this to interrupt. So consider those passing numbers. Now, if we do the same thing for uh, for Sam Howell and we split his stats and we go against uh, ACC play, in ACC play, Howell is averaging uh, 57%, 57.4% completion percentage, eight yards per uh, per completion, 24 picks and, and four touchdowns for 150 uh, passer rating, 150.6. What was the passer rating they're giving up again, Greg? 160-something. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, they, they've actually been given up a better overall performance on average than what Howell's had in conference play. So now what's going to happen when they face the real one? 
Yeah, we'll see. They still got to play the game, and I've been around long enough to know that uh, sometimes those numbers in this ball game don't mean much. But we'll see. Let's let's talk a little bit about on the other side of the ball, NC State. Jason, we mentioned Devin Leary earlier in the week. You know they they've looked okay. They've got uh, the wide receivers you mentioned. They've got Devin Carter, who's a local kid. Who um, you know, if he had a good game, it wouldn't hurt my feelings, but. You know, Carolina's front, I think Crawford, Strobridge, yes, they're going to have big games if Carolina's going to win. But who else do you see for Carolina stepping up, at least on the front in the front four, maybe the front seven, uh, to get Carolina in the right situation so they're not having to score every time they touch the ball with Sam Howell? Who provides that boost on the defensive side? Well, it's it's less about one player than making sure that their fits are really good. I mean, they're going to need good play from both of the backers, from the primary backers, from uh, Gemmel and 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 uh, Surratt, because State is going to want to run the football. They're gonna they're going to their best shot in this game is to try to slow this game down a little bit, uh, to try to hold on to the football, run the ball a little bit, and keep the keep this game to fewer possessions because the more possessions that North Carolina's offense is going to get in this game that the more their defense is going to struggle the more more states defense is going to struggle uh and so the best thing they can do is is hit a couple plays here and there and then be able to run the ball well enough to keep uh to keep things honest and to keep uh Carolina uh off the field a little bit more that that's really their best bet. But, uh, and, and you look at in their, in their rushing offense, they've, they've been pretty good. They're averaging, uh, about four yards a carry in, in, uh, in conference play. Uh, they, they, again, they don't have a whole lot of, uh, of big play stuff. I mean, they got one back that, uh, uh I think it's Zonovan Knight. That's the, uh, no, it's Houston. Houston's got a little bit more burst. Uh, Knight's the other kid that's a, a little bigger, if I remember. Uh, but, you know they've they they've got some guys that can do some things uh with some burst but you you just can't can't afford to give up the four three yard three yards in a cloud of dust uh type uh type situation to them if you can if you can win on first down and force them to to have to throw the football they just don't have the players to beat you downfield if they can run it for four yards on first down and put themselves in positions where they can kind of take the Virginia approach, which if you're North Carolina state, that's really the only option you've got. Can we look at that Virginia film and just over and over and over again, do the same stuff that Virginia did? Yeah. We don't have Bryce Perkins, but we can, you know, dink and dunk and, you know, run some spacing concepts and short stuff underneath and just possession, pass it, then hand the ball off and try to get, you know, three, four yards at a time. That's what they're going to have to try to do to win this game. So the, the key for North Carolina is can they limit the run game and, and some of the short passing stuff enough to force NC State to throw the ball downfield? Because if they're able to do that, they, they just don't have the players to get wide open and, and, and to cause you a bunch of problems downfield. And I think that, that would bode very well for North Carolina uh, it's it's really about stopping stopping the run on first down more than anything else. Yeah, I don't disagree with with Jason at all. To to flesh some of this out, I think this year especially, North Carolina fans um, have been able to overlook the fact that North Carolina has been behind the chains way too often. Uh, Sam Howe has faced way too many third and longs. 
but because he is a special player, uh, I don't have the number in front of me. I need to go look it up. But the, the amount of third and longs that he has converted uh, has got to be an anomaly. And when you look at this NC State team, Devin Leary, I think, will eventually be a decent quarterback for them. He's got a really big arm, uh, but he's he's going through some some freshman issues this year, as as to be expected. And so, if State is not able to run the ball effectively, if he's having to uh, either you know, convert on third and long, second and long, third and long, or he's having to play from behind. That's where North Carolina wants to be. That puts a lot of stress on that young man. That puts a lot of stress on NC State for the reasons that, that Jason highlighted. Uh, unfortunately for NC State, while they have had some success running the ball, and it helps getting you know, Ricky Persons finally getting back healthy, uh, I mean, they've had uh, eight fumbles in their last four games, which is just crazy. And they've lost a turnover battle in six of their, their seven ACC games and seven of their last games, seven of their last eight games overall. So, so you, if state is able to take care of the ball and they are able to run the ball effectively so that they can use Devin Leary when they want to, instead of having to use him on these tough down situations, that's how NC state makes this competitive. That's how NC state can win this game. Uh, conversely of North Carolina, as Jason said, is able to kind of bottle up the run game, which you know Jay Bateman, I'm sure, is going to try to do uh, like he does every week. But if you can get them behind the chains and make Devin Leary beat you, you're going to get some turnovers. You're going to have some things go your way. Uh, and the way that North Carolina has done a good job taking care of the ball this year, uh, that may be enough for North Carolina to create some space. There's, there's so many games this year where NC State has fallen behind early because of turnovers. And that really has eliminated their ability to run the ball because they're having to lean on the pass, and that's that's how things have kind of gotten out of control for them. Uh, so, so North Carolina's ability to kind of jump on them early, I think, would, would stress the NC State team and and allow this game from if, instead of being a, a close touchdown game to kind of get out of hand in favor of, of the Tar Heels. All right, so that's what we think will happen let's move to the portion of what we think is going to happen i'm gonna start with greg carolina nc state huge game for north carolina i'm not gonna say must win uh folks are tired of me saying must win but carolina needs to win this one of course to get to that all-important bowl practice bid greg what goes down i see this playing out how a lot of these games have of late um I think this is a situation where if NC State can really rely on that fan base and have some success early, uh, very much like last year and even the year before, this is a game that that State could take into the fourth quarter. Uh, and then at that point in time, you, you hope things fall your way. Um, North Carolina did that without success the past two years just because of the, the talent differential. And I think that's what we're going to see here. Uh, I think State can get this game to the second half but I think North Carolina will be able to hit on enough big plays offensively and state just does not have the foul power to, to, to match. And so I've got North Carolina winning this one, 35, uh, 21, Tommy. Jason, what say it to you? I'm right with Greg. Once again, I think that this is a, this is a game that's going to play out kind of, kind of like what we've seen all year from both teams. And, and, uh, and I think, 
it will be a little bit more difficult to uh, to get the running game going than uh, than North Carolina would hope. That's that's my suspicion. Uh, NC State will sell out to keep uh, keep this keep Carolina from getting balanced early on. But I think there's going to be a couple backbreaking long plays from North Carolina early. Going to be one of those games. I think Carolina scores uh, 24, 28 points in the first first half, uh, and then in the second half, I think the uh, the 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 dam kind of breaks, and that's where uh, I, I think this has a chance to get really out of hand. Uh, I'm going to go. North Carolina wins this, uh, 45 to uh, to to 21. Wow, that that would be uh, certainly an outlier on this season, save for one game for North Carolina. I'm going to go. You know, I think in, in a clean turnover-free game, neither team turns the ball over. I think Carolina wins 33. 24 but i've seen crazier things happen so i'm gonna go 35 30 north carolina um, with nc state having the ball at the end and carolina getting a stop um, to put an end to the Wolfpack's season and their chances and carolina goes on bowling you've been listening to the inside carolina podcast the game plan podcast sponsored by johnny t-shirt.com i am tommy ashley i've had greg barnes and jason staples with me boys it's always fun Thanks, Tommy. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do averaging 29 and 11. God, shit. What'd it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.